The views, opinions, and content of the show hosts and their guests appearing on America's Web Radio are their own and do not necessarily reflect those of the station. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. Welcome to America's Web Radio. This is Ron Bachman, and you are listening to Healthcare Insight. The healthcare insight that we're talking about the last number of months is not so much about free market healthcare replacing Obamacare, but about the health of the United States, our domestic policy, our foreign policy. And we've been really looking at the politics of division, the way our country has been moving towards progressivism, socialism, Marxism, communism in our policies is absolutely remarkable. And it's the untold story that the legacy media does not give us any insight to what's happening. It's like termites eating away at our culture, our constitution, our laws. And many people call this wokeness. And so I want to talk a lot in the beginning here about wokeness and what it is and what we've discovered in our previous podcast radio programs. So, Let me give you my definition from all the work that has been done so far and research that we've done on what is considered wokeness. Because many of you out there in the audience may think that wokeness is just about using the right pronouns or being on the right side of some um, public policy issue. Uh, Politically correctness, I guess, used to be the term that we used more before the word wokeness came into play. But as I've researched what wokeness is all about, it's something more dangerous than I ever thought it was going to be. And here's what wokeness seems to be. It comes from a basic concept that was developed in the 1970s by liberal elites in academia, uh, so-called thought leaders, the elitists, uh, not only in the United States, but in other parts of the world, France in particular, And it developed something called critical theory. Now, most of you out there and who've listened to some of our previous podcasts know that we've gotten into the critical race theory. But there's something broader than that. Critical race theory is just a subset, a a siloed application of a broader concept called critical theory, which is founded in Marxism. And critical theory can be applied to a lot of different areas that I want to touch on somewhat uh, throughout this hour. It can be touched on and applied to education, where critical race theory is what we've seen more than anything else in the news lately, especially in the Virginia, Loudoun County, and the ultimate outcome of the election for governor of Youngkin, uh, really relying heavily on the critical race theory in the education area. The critical race theory can be applied to finance, to voting laws, to medical delivery systems, and to business, and many other areas. And the basic core of critical theory is this idea of wokeness. So let me see if I can give you a clear definition of what wokeness is really all about. It's not just being politically correct. Wokeness is that it takes this Marxist idea under the critical theory concept and says that there are always going to be different groups that you are a part of, whether you're a female, a male. There can be conflicts between those two groups. There can be conflicts between the poor and the rich. There can be conflicts between black and white. There can be conflicts between gay and straight. 
There are all sorts of areas that you can create one group against the other group. And that's the whole idea of Marxism. The original Marxism was to create a conflict between the poor and the rich, the bourgeoisie and the proletariat. And that was going to create a revolution, a a chaos, a conflict that would ultimately overflow whatever the current system was, whether it was capitalism or some other socialist, the uh, democratic system, whatever it was, in order to get ultimately to the Marxist um, governing structure, where you had a few people at the top telling everybody else in the world what they should do and where they should go, what they should think, where, what jobs they should have. Every aspect of human life under Marxism was going to be controlled by the central um, bureau. And so wokeness is the idea of recognizing these different groups and trying to create conflict and division among those groups. And in many of these groupings where the Marxist philosophy would see the potential for conflict, there was not as much conflict as they would like. So wokeness is trying to get those people who who the Marxist philosophy believes are being oppressed, that they're the victims, but they don't know they're the victims. So in order to stir the pot to sort of pull a scab off the wound, whatever it is, they they try to educate the people that they believe are being oppressed and telling them that they're oppressed, but maybe they didn't even know it. So they're trying to awaken those get, awaken that population that they're actually being oppressed, that there's systemic racism or whatever it is in the system that they didn't even know about or realize, but they ought to be angry about and be fighting against the other groups that are oppressing them. So they become woke. They never use the term awakened, but for somehow, some reason, they use the term woke, that people are woke in recognizing that they are being oppressed, that they're being suppressed, that they don't have the same opportunities. And it's not to help those people get ahead. The entire purpose of wokeness is to create division, to create conflict, to create anger and hatred among groups. That's why we have so much hatred going on in this country, because this philosophy has been going throughout our system. And that's the danger. So when people are complaining about critical race theory, they don't like the idea that if you're born black, you're supposed to be subjugated to the white culture, that you can't ever get ahead because these terrible white babies that are born that are next to you because they're white in their birth, that they're automatically oppressors, that they have access to a system that you don't have. So that's the whole idea of of division and hatred, hatred of the country, people who are patriotic versus people who are not, people who are religious and people who are atheists. Create any of these buckets of groups of people and pit one against the other so that you have everybody fighting. It's like a big food fight. Everybody's fighting against everybody else for some purpose. Now, you'll also hear the term sometimes used, intersectionality, which is sort of an inside baseball term, which makes very little sense to most anybody. But what intersectionality is, is that you are a member of several groups. You may be a female and you may be black. So you can you can be a victim for both of those. You could be a male and be black. So you can be an oppressor and you can be oppressed. So you get to choose what you want. That's why this whole idea as well fits in that 
I get to decide who I am today. Do, do I want to identify as a black female? Well, I can do that. So now I can feel that I'm oppressed. So it goes on and on. So the danger that we're going through in this country is allowing this to continue. And we don't fully recognize what is really happening. Now, I want to talk a little bit more about an example of how crazy this critical theory can become. And because this is Healthcare Insight, I want to talk about the latest news about critical theory being applied to medicine. Now, one of the major organizations out there, the AMA, the American Medical Association, um, is recognized in the country as, you know, the, the premier name and organization for doctors. The reality is it's only about 17% of all doctors, but they get most of their money by selling something called a CPT code. That is the coding system that doctors use to identify the diagnosis and treatment that patients receive, and they send that coding off to an insurance company, and the insurance company does a reimbursement based upon that code. Well, guess who buys that code and spends the most money on it? The federal government. The federal government really funds the AMA because it really doesn't get that much money from its member dues because it's not that big a group in terms of the number of doctors that are members. But the federal government buys that system of CPT codes, that diagnosis coding system, and they apply it to Medicare and Medicaid, the two largest blocks of insurance in this country. So the federal government has a lot of control, and I am sure you will see the impact of the Biden administration and their control of the AMA in the material that I want to go through for the next few minutes and probably carry over into the next session, because I see we're, we're running out of some time. But I want to read the, the introduction of the article, and then we'll get into it in more depth in, um, in the next section. But let me read from a news article right now. It says, the American Medical Association recently released a guide on advancing health equity that promotes how to fight for critical race theory. Now, isn't that amazing that somehow critical race theory gets put into the medical profession now? And that Promotion of critical race theory includes a list of words not to say. So doctors aren't supposed to say certain words now. And they're equity-focused alternatives and criticizes the concepts of meritocracy, individualism, and the free market. Now, isn't that just absolutely so remarkable? It blows your mind. Here's the American Medical Association says, puts out a document that supports critical race theory, what they're really promoting is this wokeism or the broader term uh, critical theory, but they don't even know and understand it. They're just saying they're going to support critical race theory. But the things that they're against in this document from the American Medical Association is meritocracy. That's what our entire country is built on, that you get ahead based upon your skills and your education, your creativity. And it's a meritocracy. Your merit will promote you to the levels that you desire, your American dreams. But it also says it promotes alternatives to individualism. So we're now going to start in medicine talking about groups of people rather than your individual health. It's going to be the, the um, 
putting down of different groups based upon some systemic racism or systemic biases that are in our system in the delivery of medical care. Now, it shouldn't matter whether you're black or white. If you had a cancer or whatever, you get the same treatment. You get the same doctors. You may, because of cultural issues, the foods that you eat or the exercise that you do or the inheritance of what you have, you may have different medical problems. But, you know, God is not biased against different groups based upon their ethnicity or their their sexual orientation or anything else. But, you know, now we can't have individualism recognized according to the American Medical Association. It has to be more of a group think. And they're against free market. Can you believe that? They're against free market. While doctors can compete for patients and services, the document is against free market. So this is a 55-page document that was released on October 28th, 2021. And I want to get into this in more detail. But right now, let's take a quick break and let's come back and we're going to talk about critical theory applied to the medical area as promoted by the American Medical Association. We'll be right back. If you have lost a loved one and were left with a firearms collection and are not sure how to dispose of them safely, or you may have firearms you no longer want, this message is for you. I am a licensed FFL firearms dealer in the state of Florida, specializing in estate firearm purchases. It is very important that all firearm transactions be handled according to state and federal laws. You can contact me for information at firearmliquidationservice at outlook.com, or you can call or text me at 407-921-8100-247 and ask for James. Again, for information contact me at Firearm Liquidation Service at Outlook.com, or call or text me at 407-921-8100. All communications are strictly confidential. If you live to serve and want to make an even bigger difference, consider joining the U.S. Army. With training in fields like medical care, linguistics, and engineering, an Army career can amplify your efforts with humanitarian opportunities all over the world. Plus, you'll receive competitive pay and incredible benefits, so you'll be taken care of, too. Learn more at GoArmy.com. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. Welcome back to America's Web Radio. Today... On Healthcare Insight, we are talking about critical theory, wokeness, and we're touching on how these concepts, these concepts are developed and a part of the Marxist philosophy are working its way into our culture in a number of different ways. But in particular, we just finished up the last uh, segment of this hour talking about the American Medical Association and how they are bringing in critical race theory as a part of this whole concept, broader concept of critical theory, they're bringing it into medicine. So we have critical medical theory, I guess we would call it. And so let me go back to the uh, published report on this American Medical Association wokeness that's going on. And it's created this guide, and it cites throughout its website a guide from an organization called Race Forward, which is a far-left organization, and they're trying to show a link as to how to combat people who are against critical race theory. So it's called a guide to counter-narrating the attacks on critical race theory. Now, who would have ever thought that the American Medical Association would be putting out documents to work against the idea 
uh, parents don't want their children taught that they are either victims or they're oppressors by the nature of their birth, of something that they can't change, of any sins in the past that may have occurred around racism that that has been fought and talked about, that six, over 660,000 Americans died trying to get rid of the slavery and the racism of this country. So we have been talking about this endlessly, but it's a point of irritation of creating conflict that the Marxist philosophy wants to continue to promote. And they've reached into all segments of society, and now we see it in the American Medical Association. So what is in this health equity guide, as they've described it? Well, it argues that physicians cannot eliminate health inequities by focusing only on individuals, their behavior, or their biology. Well, I thought that's what medicine was all about, treating individuals based upon their behaviors, their habits, and their biology. In other words, what they inherited maybe from their parents or grandparents in their own genes. Instead, this guide says they insist they must focus on language and collective political circumstances of certain groups. Now, what in the world does that mean? Well, let me see if I can quote from the report. It says, given the deep divides that exist between groups in the United States, understanding and empathy can be extremely challenging for many because of an inability to really walk a mile in another's shoes in a racialized sense. In other words, we're supposed to treat medicine based upon thinking about, okay, if we were black, if we're so if we're white, we've got to think like a black in order to properly treat people. If we're black, I guess we're supposed to think about it if we're white. If we're Hispanic, we gotta think about whatever our patient is as opposed to being able to bring technical knowledge to help deal with whatever disease or injury that person has. So all that's in the preface of the Medical Association Guide. And it says, collectively, we have an opportunity, an obligation to overcome these fissures and create spaces for understanding and healing. So we have to understand uh, the cultural issues uh, that are there as opposed to the medical issues that we need to to, uh, deal with as a doctor. So the guide's release comes amid the cultural war battles over what critical race theory is and whether it's really being taught and advanced by schools and other institutions and whether its tenets should be adopted broadly by society. So they're trying to push this from the medical perspective. One more group that says they support this idea of division and fight within the organization. Well, this is just the latest front in the left's campaign to inject critical race theory into every corner of America says Jesse Anderson, executive director and of the conservative um, heritage action, which is vocally opposed to the CRT or the critical race theory. Now, notice that in the article, they have to identify anybody who is against it as being conservative. But the article didn't identify the AMA as a far left leaning group that is beholden to the Biden administration because of the monies that the Biden administration Uh, pays to this organization for the um, CPT code. So they leave out the the critical relationships and political structure of of the AMA. 
Um, anyway, I'll go on here and read this article. It says, this document published by the largest medical association in the country is a brazen attempt to politicize the medical field and subject healthcare workers to far-left speech police. So now we're going to try to control what doctors and nurses can say. And while the, the left continues to falsely claim that CRT isn't real, Americans are noticing what's happening, and they're fighting back. That's what happened in Virginia. They said, well, it's not being taught in the school, but if you look at the website, it's being promoted. If you look at who they hire as vendors to teach our kids certain materials and you read those materials, it's all about critical race theory. But yet the pundits on TV, on MSNBC and CNN say, oh, it's not being taught in Virginia. Critical race theory is not there. It's a made up phony um, right wing uh, concept to, to win elections and a lie of the people. No, the American people aren't that stupid. The parents aren't that stupid, especially when it affects their kids. They've been listening and reading and researching and studying and looking at the material of the Board of Education and of the state of Virginia, what's being promoted, and they didn't like it, and they wanted to change. So they were awakened from this woke idiocy that's been going on. So I would call that from woke to awakened would be the proper role of how we're starting to move in this country, hopefully. But it says in here, Americans are noticing what's happening and they're fighting back. From the waiting room to the classroom, families are standing up to reject this racist ideology. So in medicine, it's infusing this whole racist idea that people get different care and get different treatment. If you go to Anderson, Anderson Medical Center, MD Anderson in Houston, Texas, they don't care whether you're black or white. They're going to try to treat your cancer. So the AMA president, Gerald Harmon, explained the reasoning behind the guide in a blog post when it was released on October 28, 2021. And here's what he says. As with science, our language must change and evolve over time based on new revelations and a deeper understanding. The dominant narratives in American medicine society reflect the values and interests of the historically more privileged socioeconomic groups. And who are those? White, heterosexual, able-bodied, cisgendered, male, wealthy, English-speaking, Christian, U.S.-born, is what the president of the AMA says. These are, these are the problem. This is the people who create the system, obviously, to their own advantage is what he's saying, and to the detriment and to the victimization of anybody who's not in those categories. So he goes on to say, these narratives, having been deeply rooted in value systems and ingrained in cultural practices that have given preference to the interests of society's most powerful social groups, those he just, those he just mentioned. But he goes on. And he says, they can also be wielded as a weapon to oppress others. So again, getting this idea that we talked about earlier, that the medicine system, the medical industry has been set up by people who will use it to oppress others, not to help, not to, not to um, uh, help with recovery, to deal with diseases, to give healthcare information, to provide recovery of people with various illnesses or diseases. But instead, now the medical industry has been set up to oppress others. He goes on and he adds, that is the case. For example, 
And this is going to be amazing. If I want you all to listen to this very carefully. With the use of adjectives that dehumanize individuals by reducing them to their diagnosis, simply referring to a patient living with diabetes as a diabetic, or that unfairly labels groups of people as vulnerable to chronic diseases while ignoring the entrenched power structures such as racism that have put them at higher risk. So now we're not, if you're diabetic, you're not allowed to be called diabetic. You're not allowed to tell people, I guess, that they're pre-diabetic so that you can, in fact, help them uh, to keep from becoming a diabetic. So the AMA did not directly address these questions when looked at it more closely about why they're doing this. They just put out this guide. But a health equity narrative is what they're trying to describe here. I'll give you the craziness of this. A health equity narrative grounded in equity and social justice framework also would here's what would happen, expose the political roots underlying apparently natural economic arrangements such as property rights, market conditions, gentrification, oligopolies, and low wage rates. That's a line from the uh, guide. The equity guidance also dictates significant space to terms and phrases doctors should not use and suggests alternatives. Are you going to love this audience listening to this? The guide says doctors should not say low-income people have the highest level of coronary artery disease in the United States. Instead, it says doctors should phrase the same idea like this. Here's the example of what they should say rather than being diabetic or having heart conditions of, of um, low-income people. Instead, it says doctors should use phrases like this, people underpaid, and forced into poverty as a result of banking policies, real estate developers gentrifying neighborhoods, and corporations weakening the power of labor movements, among others, have the highest level of coronary artery disease. So that's their alternative that they're putting out there. That if you have a health problem, it's not because of the poor choices you've made. It's not because of your diet, your lack of exercise, your family history, the vicissitudes of life, any accident that occurs to you. No, no, that's not what the problem is. They're saying this because you're underpaid uh, and you were forced into poverty. That's why your diet isn't so good, because you were forced into poverty, not because you didn't go to school or get the right education or go out and get a job. You stayed relying on the federal government, but you were forced into poverty. And not just forced into poverty, they say as a result of banking policy. So the bank didn't give you the loans that you wanted to buy a house or to go out and, and be able to uh, live a grand lifestyle. It's the banking problem. It's not your problem. So we take away the responsibility of individuals. And um, it's, um, you know, because of the power of the labor, labor movements have been weakened. So that's the, that's the other reason. So this is absolute insanity if you read through this stuff. It's not just that I'm coming from a different perspective culturally. It's that this makes no logical sense. It's simply promoting the idea of division and chaos that they hope will be an uprising and overthrow the United States Constitution and selected officials, our our entire culture, in order to implement uh, Marxism. That's what's going on. Well, Let's take another quick break, and we're going to come back. We're going to finish up this article about critical theory uh, being applied in medicine by one of the largest medical organizations in the world, the American Medical Association. We'll be right back. 
The Docs for Patient Care Foundation is your way to join the fight and become a member of an organization created by doctors for patients dedicated to fighting for your healthcare freedom and preserving the doctor-patient relationship. Get a pen and paper. Write down www.docsforpatientcarefoundation.org. That's www.docsforpatientcarefoundation.org. Go to our site and please make a generous tax-deductible donation and join the fight today. Thank you. Whether cruising the Strip in a 57 Chevy or taking the family on a vacation in a 71 Oldsmobile Vista Cruiser, you need to tune in to Classic Cars with Steve Ronaldo and Jim Weber every Saturday from 8 to 9 a.m. on AmericasWebRadio.com. If you have lost a loved one and were left with a firearms collection and are not sure how to dispose of them safely, or you may have firearms you no longer want, this message is for you. I am a licensed FFL firearms dealer in the state of Florida, specializing in estate firearm purchases. It is very important that all firearm transactions be handled according to state and federal laws. You can contact me for information at firearmliquidationservice at outlook.com, or you can call or text me at 407-921-8100-247 and ask for James. Again, for information contact me at Firearm Liquidation Service at Outlook.com or call or text me at 407-921-8100. All communications are strictly confidential. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. The views, opinions, and content of the show hosts and their guests appearing on America's Web Radio are their own and do not necessarily reflect those of the station. Welcome back to the third segment of Healthcare Insight on America's Web Radio. I want to continue with this whole craziness of the American Medical Association infusing in its promotions the idea of critical theory, of critical race theory, that we no longer treat people as an individual, but doctors need to use certain words. So we're going to get into this, you know, policing of language. It really is uh, anybody who's read the book 1984, uh, where you have uh, thought police and word police. Now it's working its way into medicine as well. And they want to try to change the language so that it is more sensitive to the individual. Rather than worrying about how do we best treat people, how do we best keep the costs of healthcare down, how do we promote the growth of physicians and physicians' assistants and break down some of these um, silos between different parts of medicine that inhibit the ability for patients to get real care. You know, I always like to say that in your business environment, when you're going to meet somebody, you're, you may have to sit in the reception area, but they don't call it a reception area in a doctor's office. It's called a waiting room for a reason, because you have to wait on the doctor. They're the ones in control, and there's not enough doctors, not enough healthcare providers, and so you have limited resources to even go to if you can find a good doctor, if you can find a good cardiologist, if you can find a good orthopedist. But instead of worrying about the supply of doctors, because so many are retiring and leaving this crazy profession as it's developed, now we're adding a wokeness dimension to the medical profession that's going to drive even more people out. So I want to talk about this guide, continue this discussion on what the this guide for critical race theory that the American Medical Association has put out and trying to create a language around the, the delivery of medicine. So let me go back to that guide. And here's some 
descriptions of it. Rather than using the word fairness, the guide suggests doctors say social justice. This is because it says fairness pays no attention to how power relations in society establish themselves, but primarily emphasizes outcomes with a predetermined or pre-given set of rules. Well, heaven forbid that doctors have a preset uh, list of rules to go through to create a diagnosis and then to provide a treatment. So we now have to bring the term social justice into the delivery of medicine. Well, the re- guide, the report that they put out says an important distinction separates the ideas of social justice, which is a standard of rightness and fairness, which is a more limited concept. That's what's in the guide. It says fairness is a hope of an outcome. But there are dozens of other examples in this document that are just as crazy as the one we talked about in the last segment. The guide also features nearly a full page at its beginning of a land and labor acknowledgement. What in the world is that supposed to mean? Well, the Medical Association in Washington, D.C. is located on land that is traditional homeland of a number of indigenous tribes. The Noctahoktank, the Piscataway, the Pamake people, the Medical Association headquarters in Chicago, which based, is also on ancestral lands of indigenous tribes, such as the Council of Three Fires, as well as the Miami, the Kochuk, the Minnanomi, the Sac, the Fox, the Kinkapoo, and the Illinois nations. Gee, you think with this political correctness, this wokeness, that they'll give back that land or they make very large donations of the money they're getting from the Biden administration to these tribes or to the um, ancestors of these tribes to the extent that they are even there? Will they help them get off of reservations? Will they provide better health care for these individuals? I don't think so. But the preface to this document says, And there's another medical association, the AAMC and the AMA, also acknowledge the extraction of brilliance, energy, and life for labor forced upon millions of people of African descent for more than 400 years. So now they're going to pick at the wound of slavery, which we had over 660,000 people die to try to defeat slavery in this country. And we moved forward to creating equal opportunities and voting rights And all our laws have been changed to be sure that we try to eliminate the racism that had been in our country. Our founding fathers were against racism, against slavery, and they built into that document what ultimately allowed everybody to be treated equally because we are all equal in the eyes of God. We are given our rights through God, and he doesn't look at us whether we're black or white or any of these other groups to give us those rights. And we have been the most dominant culture in the world to raise up everybody who wants to live up to their potential, give them the opportunities with the free market system, the capitalist system, the medical system we have is the best in the world and it is available to be administered to and accessed by anybody and everybody. Yet the American Medical Association has to talk about this wokeness of African slavery and they say they have been oppressed for more than 400 years. Well, the AMA is not the first major institution 
to back the critical race theory document from this company called Race Forward. The Philadelphia Federal Reserve System has been pushing it, so it's critical theory in the finance area as well, because it puts materials out and links to the same website of Race Forward uh, that is an advocacy for the critical race theory. So critical race theory has become a major animating factor in American politics. And we talked about how it had the big impact on the Virginia governor's race. And maybe there's a turning point. Maybe we have gotten so far out to the left, so extreme that people are actually beginning to see that this is not just a political correctness that's not going to affect my daily life. It's affecting the healthcare delivery system. It's affecting the financing system. It's affecting the banking system. And for some of you who may have listened to a previous podcast, in the banking system, the Biden administration is proposing the head of the banking system in the United States. That's the um, um, the uh, uh, Bureau of Finance and, and Currency, I think is the name of it. Maybe slightly different than that right now. But it is a Marxist who was trained as a, a Lenin scholar in the University of Moscow. And she wants to do away with the current banking system and have it taken over by the Federal Reserve, set up a board that would say where capital uh, can be um, uh, granted, where loans can be granted, how money can be spent nationally, what banks can do, get rid of all the small local banks that are competing for your business and centralize it in the federal government. It is clearly a Marxist philosophy, and the Biden administration wants to do that. There's enough pushback, even by some Democrats. This person may never get in. But the fact that the Biden administration is promoting somebody to that position is just unbelievable. I mean, but we don't get any national news about it. There's no exposure. So one of the reasons I want to do these kinds of exposures on this channel, on America's Web Radio, is it may reach a few more people out there that then can reach other people and tell them what's going on. Have them listen to this radio program or podcast that there really is a danger going on. This is not just traditional Republican versus Democrat or even conservative versus liberal. This is an entire change of transforming our country with people who have a, the slimmest of majorities. But they're going to try to push through, especially after the last election. We're going to see people pushing even further. You know, there's a there's a book out there that uh, became popular during the Obama administration for understanding what was going on with with that uh, uh, period of time. And it's called Rules for Radicals, written by Saul Alinsky, a Marxist. And what Saul Alinsky was saying, if you read his book, is that when you run into trouble, as typically would happen in our history, that we would look like we're going too far, he says, don't back off. Don't back off. Put your foot on the accelerator and go forward even faster. And that is what's happening after this, what otherwise would be a alarming election in Virginia, a repudiation of the critical race theory, a repudiation of this movement towards socialism and Marxism that's going on in this country. Instead, the Biden administration, which behind the scenes are people who are extreme uh, left-wing liberals, if you want to call them that, progressives, socialists, Marxists, any of those would characterize most everybody, it seems like, that is uh, behind the scenes and in the power of this uh, in Biden administration. Um, they go forward even stronger. So the day after the election, for example, where the Democrats had been compromising down this 
second uh, human infrastructure bill, as they call it, instead of trying to pare that down even more, questioning the value of it as it's creating greater levels of inflation and greater levels of concern that the government is getting more and more into debt. Instead, what did Nancy Pelosi do? She added a bunch of stuff back into the bill that had been taken out the previous week. So instead of slowing down even more, they put the foot on the gas pedal, just like Alinsky says, and now they're going to go forward with even more. So don't be surprised if you hear more and more stuff being put back into that bill, because this is going to be the last chance they got one year left to try to get everything they can with the slim majorities they have. And it's only two senators that are holding this up right now uh, from a Democrat onslaught of socialist Marxist policies, and that's Senator uh, Joe Manchin and Senator Cinema from Arizona. And if they fall by the wayside, there's nothing stopping the socialist Marxist from uh, what they would like to see done and how they would like to take over this country. So folks out there listening to this, I hope I have given you in these first few sessions an insight as to how this country is moving, the dangers of how they're moving, and what's happening behind the scenes in many of the nominations and the creation of an infrastructure and people who are embedded, sometimes with lifetime positions, sometimes they're going to be in the bureaucracy, and it's very hard to fire people from the federal government. So once they're in there, once they're ingrained in the system, they have the ability to write regulations, they have the ability to to make people do what they want to do, uh, and there's no law necessarily behind them because the power of the money that's allocated by Congress gets put into the bureaucracy, and it's the bureaucracy that ultimately uh, spends the money, writes the rules and regulations, and determines where uh, federal grants go and where all this money uh, is, is directed. And that's why people out there living their own lives, doing their own thing for their families, trying to create you know, a good career, a job, trying to get their kids through school, have a nice house, be sure the kids are properly fed and dressed and all those things. We don't have time in general. You don't have time, listeners out there, to get into all these details. But hopefully you'll spend a few minutes listening to podcasts like this to give you the insights. So I want to take another quick break and I want to come back and I want to give some interviews on what's happening in Washington that supports all this stuff I've been talking about in these first three sessions. So we'll be right back after these commercial breaks. Hey, folks, this is Victor with the On Point with Victor show. Make sure you listen every Tuesday, 1 to 2, only right here on America's Web Radio, the On Point with Victor show. Remember, folks, I'm not angry. I'm just right. And you can find out why every Tuesday from 1 to 2, the On Point with Victor show, only right here on America's Web Radio. Hello, my name is Rick White, and I'm the director of the Georgia Military Veterans Hall of Fame. I want to encourage all Georgia veterans to consider being nominated to the Georgia Military Veterans Hall of Fame. And if you are a Georgia veteran, and the definition of a Georgia veteran is either you were born in the state of Georgia, or you've lived here 10 years, or you were raised your right hand and joined the military in this state, you are considered a Georgia veteran. For further information, go to www.gmb. HOF.org, or you can contact me at 678-427-0915. We'd love to have your nomination for the Georgia Military Veterans Hall of Fame. Thank you so much. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls of all ages, join me, Roger B., every Tuesday at 1400 hours right here on America's Web Radio for the Locked and Loaded Show. We will talk about guns, weapons, ammo, gun accessories, prepping, and so much more. So be sure to join us every Tuesday at 1400 or 2 p.m. for Locked and Loaded on America's 
America's Web Radio. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. Welcome back to America's Web Radio, and we'll finish up this final segment of this week uh, by continuing our discussion on wokeness in America. We've been talking about, in particular, the wokeness uh, that's being infused into the medical society of all places. It doesn't seem necessary or appropriate, but the American Medical Association has come out with a new guide on how to promote uh, critical race theory or how to at least counter uh, arguments that are against it. And you got to ask yourself why. Well, follow the dollars. The American Medical Association gets millions and millions of dollars from the federal government. So the Biden administration has a leverage over them uh, to come out with uh, concepts that support what the Biden administration wants the public to have to be uh, controlled with. And one of them is critical race theory, language. And so, uh, sure enough, the Medical Association put out a guide that uh, tells doctors the kind of language they should use when treating patients uh, and supporting the whole idea of critical race theory. Well, I want to turn in this final segment uh, to a couple of of items. The first, I want to talk to one of my favorite, um, very smart people, uh, Victor David Hansen. And I want to talk to him and ask him the question about what will all this woke world look like as we go forward? So, Professor Hansen, what is your thought? Where is all this leading? And what's going to happen in future years as we continue to go down this idea of wokeness if we don't actually reverse it? What do you think is going to happen? I don't think anybody knows, but it's based on a lot of dubious assumptions. One is that merit never was really important, that it was just a construct. So if you want half of the new pilot training candidates at United based on race, it won't matter. Or if you're going to arbitrarily restrict half the white population that gets into Harvard or Yale, it didn't matter. Or if you're going to lower bar standards, they were too high anyway. And that's an experiment. We'll see what happens. I'm very dubious. And then there's another, and that is that these CEOs, Mr. Bassing, to take one example of Delta, that they're always going to have the power to navigate around their own ideology. It's never going to come back to devour or cannibalize the architects. Their kids will always get on Harvard. They'll always be CEOs. They can always use their money and influence to dictate to others, but it will never come to them. But history shows it always comes to them. That's what the Bolsheviks told us, the Jacobins. They're in the target, too, but they think their money and their privilege will protect them. They think that 70% of the population who wants borders secure who wants a voter ID, who supports uh, oil and gas exploration and doesn't want race to adjudicate admissions and hiring, that they're quiet, they're sober, they're passive. They'll never rise up. The 30% who are woke and they control Silicon Valley and entertainment and Wall Street and the corporation, they're what they have to be afraid of. And I don't think that that's necessarily right either. So, Professor, what do you think specifically about this woke business movement that's going on? The CEOs coming out with, um, you know, statements, I guess, um, you know, give them some sort of um, um, uh, awareness, letting the public know that they're woke as well, giving them, you know, the virtue signaling that goes on from the uh, C-suite, the CEOs and some giant major organizations that have been promoting things like critical race theory um, and indoctrinating their employees in what they can think and how they should be more racially sensitive 
and that there are groups that are victims and there are groups that are victimizers. And if you're in the wrong group, then, uh, you know, we're going to change policies around uh, and uh, and prevent hiring of your group or we're going to do more hiring of your group. But you're going to be trained and told what words you can use and how to be politically correct or in the current words, you're going to be woke. What do you think about these national big organizations that are really pushing this from the corporate side? Yeah, I don't think they make very good representatives of the woke movement, and they shouldn't lecture people on equity and inclusion and diversity because that's what they're doing. If you're a CEO at Delta and you make $17 million a year, and that works out to about 65000 a day for each working day, I don't think anybody wants to take you very seriously about how committed you are to equity because you could do a lot in the concrete rather than just the abstract. So people are getting really tired of being lectured by these groups. And, you know, they're going to find out that we're going to start to ask them exactly what are the percentages of race and uh, gender in your own corporate boardroom and your own uh, children going to prep schools and Ivy League, because so far it's always been the consequences of our theories were going to fall on Irene Irredeemable and, you know, Donnie Deplorable, but never us, or the poor Asians or hapless, but never us. And that's going to happen to them, and we'll see what they say. But I don't take anything seriously, as CEO says, or any of these people. Okay, just to finish up this hour, we've been talking about wokeness and how it's creeping into all parts of our, our government and our industry and our business, our education, all that I want to turn to one of my favorite senators and to show you what's going on in Congress, this termite effect that's going on to eat away at our entire economy and our government and all our institutions. I want to turn to my favorite senator, Senator um, uh, uh, John Kennedy from Louisiana. And I want to play you a couple of segments of his interviewing Biden nominees to congressional or, in this case, judicial positions. And one of the ladies here that's being nominated for a judgeship is Margaret Strickland. And I want you to listen carefully uh, to how she does the politically correct wokeness thing around the idea of um, qualified immunity. That is, qualified immunity is not holding police to the same standard because they are in a very sensitive area of dealing with criminals and and violent action, stepping into uh, situations where they might have to use force and that they then can't be sued unless it's so egregious that the qualified immunity, and that's why I call it qualified, but they have immunity from prosecution except if it's so egregious. So listen to this exchange on somebody the Biden administration has put forward to be part of the judicial system, especially around the question of qualified immunity. Ms. Strickland, counselor. You do not believe in qualified immunity for law enforcement officials, do you? Um, thank you for the, the question, Senator. Um, um, for much of my career, I have served on the board of the New Mexico Criminal Defense Lawyers. Yes, ma'am. But see, my time is so limited. You don't believe in qualified immunity for law enforcement officials, do you? So so on behalf of organizations and associations that I've been, we have taken the position that New Mexico, who is considering its own civil rights bill, should not. Um, Let me ask you it, again. Do you believe in qualified immunity mm-hmm. for law enforcement officials? So you personally. Well, 
any, any personal views that I have on it would not come into consideration if I were to be confirmed as a judge. Well, you spent your entire adult career arguing against qualified immunity, haven't you? Why did you help New Mexico? Why did you, you uh, work so hard to get Mexico to change, New Mexico to change it? Well, New Mexico, was, New Mexico was considering a new bill. Notice the wokeness of this particular candidate, which is true of every candidate that I've listened to the hearings on. They won't answer the question. They say, yeah, I may have been working on that as a private citizen. Or I wrote a document when I was a professor, but that that won't come into play with my uh judgments as a um, as a on on the seat or the nomination for the position I'm in it's all being able to lie yourself around getting nominated and then being uh, voted in by the Democrats it'll be all Democratic votes to get these people in but if you want to talk about wokeness this is a classic example they won't answer the questions but you know what they've been doing in the past and it's going to influence their judgments when they're on the seat of a judiciary appointment. Let's listen to another one of these candidates and you'll see the pattern develop. You know what systemic racism is. I mean, it comes up every day now in, in America. And uh, do you believe that the federal judicial system is systemically racist? Well, Senator... Uh, You've been a part of it. I'm just trying to get an answer. Do you believe it's systemically racist? Senator, that, that's a question I, I cannot answer. You're a sitting federal judge right now? I am a sitting federal judge. How long have you been a federal judge? 20 years. And you haven't, you, you've heard these allegations that, that all our institutions are systemically racist, and after 20 years you haven't drawn an opinion? But judge. you don't have an opinion about whether the federal judicial system is systemically racist after 20 years? Senator, I have to say no. Wait, let me understand your answer. You think it's not systemically racist or you don't have an opinion? No, I don't have an opinion. After 20 years? That is correct. And you want to be on the Court of Appeal? Senator, yes. Okay. Notice the obfuscation, the lack of answer to a very simple question, and the way they are coached, as every administration does, but it's just so blatant here with the uh, Democratic administration uh, making these nominations, knowing what their history was. That's why they got the nomination. They knew how they would rule, and they're ultimately on the court, that they were woke nominees. Let's listen to um, a final one here for the judiciary, a, um, a Mr. Sanchez and how um, Senator Kennedy really hones in on some basic questions that he won't answer. I just want to try to understand the way you think and, uh, and what your beliefs are. Uh, when, in your opinion, does life begin? Well, Senator, uh, from my reading of Supreme Court precedent... No, sir, I'm, I, I'm not interested in the law. I'm interested in you. I want to get to know you. You're going to be on, on the Court of Appeal if you're confirmed. When, in your opinion, does life begin? Are you going to answer my question? Respectfully. Have you thought about it? About when life begins? Yeah. Yes. And what did you conclude? Uh, I conclude that as a judicial nominee and a sitting judge, I would not want those views to weigh into how I approach cases, and, and I would follow Supreme Court precedent right. and its guiding precedent. Right. I, I get it. Um, let me ask you your thoughts on another subject. Biologically, how many sexes are there? Uh, 
as I understand it, uh, there are different views on that on that topic. I'm not asking about a case. I'm asking about you. Biologically, in your opinion, as a thinking adult, how many sexes are there? I, Senator, I, as I said before, my own personal views, uh, I don't want them to enter into uh, my role as a judge. I'm asking you personally, biologically, how many sexes are there in your opinion? I, I would give the same answer as before. Have you thought about it? I have. Okay. What was your conclusion? That it is a, a matter of importance and debate in, in our society today. And uh, while I have my own personal views about it, my role as a judge is to apply the law and precedent and, and let the arguments and facts speak for themselves. Okay, let me wrap this up. Um, we've been talking about wokeness, uh, the politically correct administration nominees that are going in, how this country is being changed with uh, termites just eating away at our Constitution, being put into the bureaucracy, being put into the judiciary, across the country being put into education and the colleges, into uh, the media that we see in the movies, et cetera, et cetera. These are just three examples I wanted to pull out and, and to sort of cap off this hour's presentation on wokeness taking over. This is happening to our judiciary. You notice the, the verbal jujitsu. They're not giving the truth as answers because they're afraid to, because if they do that, they will not get the nomination. But the Biden administration has coaxed them, said don't provide any answers directly, always use precedent that you'll follow, always talk about that uh, your personal opinions don't matter anymore once you're on, the ju uh, on that judge's seat. So this is what we're getting from the Biden administration. Far left radicals covered with wokeness, they're going to make judgments that will affect our children and our grandchildren for years to come by the judgments that they will make from the judiciary. I hope you've learned a lot today, and I hope you've been exposed to the ideas of craziness that's going on in our country. Join us again next week. For Healthcare Insight, when we'll continue to develop, delve into these important topics. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening.